Welcome back, everyone, to Red Spotlight Entertainment. I'm your host today, Alexis J. Soto, joined by Mr. David Francisco. It's just us today. We had a couple of other people hoping to join us, but unfortunately that that didn't come to fruition. This is the first episode of our two-episode-long The Good Place segment. We're, we're talking about another TV show again like we did earlier this year with Legend of Korra and Haunting of Bly Manor and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And now we're back here with... The Good Place, created by Michael Shore, the same brilliant mind that came up with Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Parks and Recreation, and of course, The Office, which has, you know, blown up to be one of the biggest shows of all time now, uh, as of late. And look, this year has been kind of a crap show, hasn't it, when it comes <laughs> to brand new content. And uh, seemingly, uh, in the absence of movies, in the absence of the cinema... The good old friend that we've had our whole lives, television, has seemingly been, you know, a godsend. Because a lot of the brand new-ish content, and I'm, I'm sure like the finale was, I think the finale of this was either er, like late last year or early this year, whenever it aired, technically speaking. But it is relatively new. The last season did uh, debut on Netflix this past month. Um, and this was on a bucket list of sorts of shows that I had missed the last couple of years, but had wanted to cut, you know, catch up on because I've heard a lot of wonderful things, um, from and everyone really, uh, things like it got better as it went along, how emotional it was, how people were really responding to the show, not the least of which were people on this podcast network. Peter Martinez was actually one of those people, uh, unfortunately could not be here tonight he was planning on being here but there was uh an emergency of sorts as it were so he uh will we will try to get him back on for the next installment but of course do watch out for our del toro guillermo del toro uh series uh we're covering 10 all 10 films of guillermo del toro this month the first episode uh which we've just sat down and you know organized is going to cover his spanish language uh, adult fairy tale trilogy as it's labeled Kronos, The Devil's Backbone and Pan's Labyrinth will be the first uh, films we'll cover on the first episode and that should be up on the channel pretty soon uh, and looking forward to that um, but another one of those people going back to the good place uh, that kept you know singing this show's praises definitely has been David mm-hmm. um, and I gather he's been watching this for a while uh, this would be one of those situations where I um, Johnny come lately, basically I, which honestly I don't regret. And we will get into the, like the differences between binging it all at once. I had the whole thing basically in front of me to binge all at once, mm-hmm. you know, versus the experience of watching it um, as it was, you know, being Dang. broadcast over the years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, how it's going to work with this episode, we're going to cover the first two seasons of the good place. And then in the next episode, we'll cover the last two seasons, three and four. Uh, And we're going to cover the season generally with the storylines. But as always, uh, I like to have a little bit of a, um, let's see here, of a catch up of each other's experiences and initial impressions, right? Uh, To get a good sense of how we felt initially um, about where this show could go uh or just in general how the show made us feel when we first saw it um and i'm sure we both have um our stories with that uh 
So, David, uh, first of all, are you excited <laughs> uh, to talk about this show? I, I'm sure you're you're happy that someone that you have have one person actually, you know. Uh, look into the recommendation since the other person whose name we won't mention has <laughs> categorically ignored <laughs> your constant like begging to watch this show oh my god it's it's <laughs> and i told this person like hey we all seem to like it uh-huh why don't you give it a shot <laughs> and that means something right because it's not it's not even though it feels more uh usual in 2020 but that's the unusual it's not uh every single instance where like all the people in our group are in complete agreement about how good something is mm -hmm. right it usually is like varying degrees mm -hmm. but I think it said a lot that, you know, across the spectrum, and the spectrum is from a Moreno to a Martinez, <laughs> that you both really liked it. Um, so tell me about, uh, I guess, my first, um, the, the first way you want to start off this conversation is uh, share with me the very first interaction you had with this program and just talk about initially how it made you feel and what made you catch on were you one of those that were like watching from the beginning or uh, when when did this journey start no yeah i was day one with this show like, wow um just <laughs> the premise of it i was kind of like you know it's a show that takes place mm -hmm. in heaven or the, the good right, place right basically and i was kind of like whoa okay let's see where this is gonna go and i remember you know what was it? Maybe like in the second or third season, I heard like one review going like, I, I don't want to watch it because I don't see how uh, a show that takes place in heaven can be, uh, um, can have stakes in it, basically. And I was kind of like, Ooh, which like, Ooh. who said that? Uh, just some reviewer that I watched. Uh, <laughs> in the th okay, okay. Yeah. I see it. Um, they were wrong. Yeah. <laughs> they were. I mean, they were really wrong. Really, I'm done. Really, I don't really want to give anything away, but like, what? Yeah, well, um, I, mean, I mean, I get where you come from, mm -hmm. you know, a show about heaven and the afterlife. Like, how do you have any kind of a stake? How do you care mm -hmm. about anything? Um, but, I think they proved us wrong with that worry. Yeah. But go ahead. And you it, were saying. I just find it so weird because like from the uh, trailers of the show, like it tells you right away, like what's gonna be the plot of the mm -hmm. show and everything but also just it was, i just find it weird because i'm kind of like well if you don't like see any stakes in this then why not give it a shot because like i mean there's a reason especially again like this is in the second or third season there's a reason mm -hmm. it's still going <laughs> like right. there's something going on it was, it was just a weird thing but again the the show like caught my attention right from the beginning and it was just just the way they go into detail about ethics basically and what these characters go through especially in the first season like it just it, it, it completely captured my attention but also it's just it's hilarious <laughs> it's a hilarious oh show oh my god i couldn't believe it even rewatching it like mm. just some jokes that i missed and everything. no there's staying power mm -hmm. it, it's good i think you know something is really good i feel anyway in looking at the history of the things that uh i love the most 
is the staying power you get to recognize after you've seen it a couple times and it still is hitting you in that sweet spot that made you fall in love with it in the first place. Mm-hmm. It is, I mean, this debuted back in 2016. Um, it just finished its run. But yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I only just saw it the once um, and I want to see it again and I was planning on it, but then I thought about that finale and I thought, hmm, I don't ever want to get in that kind of state of mind again because it really destroyed me. And we'll get to that and whatever. Mm. I don't want to jump ahead of myself. I want to let you finish your answer about uh, when you first watched this. Real quick, I want to, before that though, I want to just give people, for those who are not aware of uh, what this show is, just a little brief synopsis, mm-hmm. um, non spoilery. Um, the Good Place is a town where those who have been good throughout their lives go once they have passed away. Michael is the architect who oversees the town, and this is the first one he has been in charge of creating. Eleanor arrives at the good place and realizes they have her name right. And everything else is wrong. (laughs) She isn't meant to be there at all. With the help of Chidi, her soulmate, Eleanor tries to right her wrongs, seeking to finally earn her spot at the good place. That's a bare-to-bone synopsis. I think another good one, and it's and they kind of bring it home in one sentence about what this show is about. Four people and their otherworldly frenemy struggle in their afterlife to define what it means to be good. Mm. <laughs> that's, a, that's a nice way of like describing what this is. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, yeah, that's great. <laughs> So you're saying about like your first uh, time watching this show. So you you watched it when it premiered. So what what did you think when you saw the first episode? Uh, just again that it was just really funny, and then you, right away like you already you right away cared about Eleanor, the main character of the show. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like her struggling to be a good person, basically. Yeah, and just kind of. Um, seeing her change especially like from big first episode to like the last episode or the last episode of the first season at least mm-hmm. is, you know it's all great and everything <laughs> you know it's in, you know it's a lot of i think what really sells people at least what what sold me on the premise of this um i'm sorry what what sold me to kind of give this a chance and watch it is that it has such an interesting premise you know it almost makes you wonder why something like this wasn't attempted before. It it because it, it's not exactly like one of the more most original um, ideas, if only just because it does deal with the afterlife. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, though, um, it is singularly unique, all on its own, for how it deals. With that, and you know, we mentioned it earlier about how you know some people would think that because this takes place in an afterlife, that means there are no stakes. You don't have a show, you don't have any kind of anything mm-hmm. worth watching if that were the case. And we can most certainly say, very early on, from the pilot to the finale, you are continuously surprised, and I think that's one of those. Um, key components of this show that make it work and kind of like it really is in many ways uh, a brilliant addition to the series 
from a structural standpoint and that they establish early on and you think you're catching on to it, or maybe you even expect it and you're still blown away with what they come up with. And what I'm referring to is this, uh, this habit that they have obviously <laughs> by design of dropping a big WTF bomb at the end of an episode to really hook you in to like tune in next week. Like to me, I honestly have to be one of the more brilliant examples of how to get you to watch week after week is that they end every episode um, or mostly every episode with a big tease that honestly, and it's not just like a, like a, you know, a tease that, you know, a standard one, it, it, it is monumental in terms of like shaking up the bones of this series. Like the point all I'm trying to say is early on. And I think a lot of this first season uh, does a good job of like comforting you in to a false sense of security that also is happening to our characters, mind you. Um, and then they pull the rug out from under you several times. And then you're, you're constantly in a sense of thinking and sure of yourself that you know exactly what this show is about. <laughs> and then it completely changes <laughs> that going forward. So to me, that was one of the things that I found charming and kind of electric about the show is that you don't know exactly where it's going to go. You think you know, and then they don't, and they give you something better instead, I feel. And they do that again and again and again. So that's one of the first things that I that I latched onto immediately while watching this first season uh, and that I noticed kept going on that, I mean, I think was a big thing that got me to just, I have to watch this next episode. I couldn't <laughs> stop watching. Yeah. Um, and the, you go ahead. Well, and the best thing though, too, is just that every single episode just kind of like flows like, oh. like straight away, you know, like you can go next right to the next episode and it doesn't feel like yeah. you stopped. Honestly, I, I rewatching it. I was I kind of went, wait, was this the finale of this season? Or was it like, <laughs> where's the finale of each season? I didn't, and like, uh -huh. I never knew. And <laughs> it was, it just, it completely flows together. And, and I think it is best to kind of watch it in on one sitting. Cause yeah, <laughs> I couldn't imagine. I don't, I don't know if I could, um, if I could take the agony of waiting an entire seven days uh, to go by and then watch the next episode especially when it's 30 um, minutes i know because oh like, it's just like <laughs> it's like yay like next episode oh it's done okay <laughs> next week then yeah uh real quick just to back up here i have a funny little tale uh that i i actually um this wasn't the first time that I actually had seen anything of the show. Believe it or not, I was actually one of those people that tuned in to the pilot when it aired mm. back in 2016. Um, the reason why was because I needed something to kill time. <laughs> I was waiting for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because it was on that night. Yeah. Uh, the premiere, I think it was. That was actually the Ghost Rider premiere. Uh, the first, the season four premiere, 2016, um, pre Donald Trump getting elected. 
<laughs> era, a whole different world back then, obviously. But it, it it goes to show you how long ago it was. But I did catch the pilot, and I was very entertained and constantly um, unsure of where it was going. So I think that was kind of like I liked it. Ah, uh, for reasons I don't entirely understand myself i chose not to keep up with it Mm -hmm. um i think at that point i wasn't as the brits say i was at university they 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 dropped the the if you notice when they say when we would say at the university at my university they just they just say at university so i'll just say it that way because it's easier. I was at university, and so the only show that I was bothering to keep up with on a week-to-week basis would be Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, and I did. Um, <laughs> that wouldn't be a surprise to people. Um, but it didn't necessarily leave my mind. It was always something I had intended to go back to. And then by the time I, I wanted, uh, the finale had aired. And honestly... I don't think I, re- I have any regrets about doing it that way. Personally, I, I, I found the show to be really more rewarding um, watching it all at once. But that being said, though, every episode was really good. I mean, there's a reason why these shows, no matter, you know, while some episodes maybe may, you know, be into better than others, this was to me one of the most consistent shows in terms of quality. Mm-hmm. You know, what what you said earlier about it flowing so well. You're so right about that. Like you don't get a sense at all like the show is missing a beat or that it mishandled something or perhaps there was a missed opportunity. They also didn't have in my mind, any of those infamous season one uh, training uh, growing pains uh, that a lot of other shows like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. have, um, you know, trying to find a voice. What was really surprising is it starts off, you know, with our four characters getting to know each other. And as they're finding out what this show is, so are we. I'm sure that's by design. And so like, I feel part of the interest in the show is at least initially in this first season is like just trying to figure out, okay, what is this show? Mm-hmm. What are we, what are we doing here? What, it, what, what are they trying to say with this? Um, all the while being entertained mm-hmm. um, at just like uh, the weird zaniness that has mm-hmm. been imbued. I feel in the language of the show from, you know, the pilot we have, you know, with Eleanor Shellstrop and her causing the storms, shrimp attacking from the <laughs> sky, everyone wearing those weird striped pajamas, seemingly like her conjuring up the, and then, you know, uh, sets up the show where she realizes that, or she feels like she's the fraud that's causing all the things in the good place to go haywire. And so she plots with Chidi, um, her soulmate, uh, quote-unquote, that has been paired by Michael to make her a better person. And so you're on that. At the same time, you're also trying to figure out what's really going on here because there are times where you think, um, at least in the first episode, 
this is too good to be true, right? There's something that I'm not seeing here. Mm -hmm. But I'm charmed by these characters so much by the time we get to the midpoint of the season where I'm no longer like suspicious um, of anyone when I should have been. There's there's actually this <laughs> really there's a character in here and we'll get to them. Oh man. Get to get to him that I should have been suspicious about, but I they got me. <laughs> they really got me. Yeah. No, they, they, the Mike Shore, he was very, very careful not to spoil that <laughs> uh, little twist. Uh huh. <laughs> and it's just, it's, well, I'll get out, uh, I'll say more about it once we get to spoilers or something. Right, but. right, right. But I think that, um, I don't know, I, I think that that's all just part of the charm of the of the show is it's not only entertaining uh you're charmed by these characters um but the point of that i was making that was kind of a long-winded answer which is you know typical for me but the point that i'm saying is why you think you're not the show isn't necessarily sure about where it's going no it knows exactly where it's going to go mm-hmm. And exactly what it's trying to say. You just don't know it yet mm-hmm. from these episodes. Yeah, no. Again, like Mike Shore, he knew what he wanted to lead to in the first season. What? But it wasn't um, until maybe like the end of the second season where he finally went, okay, I have an idea of where I want these characters to go to and like mm. how I can end this. And so okay. I'm like, that's kind of, it's kind of like the Legend of Korra thing where, uh, Season three and four is just like perfect, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's always um, tricky, right? Because you can't get ahead of yourself too much because mm-hmm. you have to work on like making sure the the show is good enough week to week. And again, you also don't know how long it's going to last. It's not a guarantee that this is. I mean, it's NBC. It's a network broadcast show, and they. Um, uh, you know, spotty record. It's mm-hmm. kind of a 50-50 chance whether or not it'll come back. I mean, you have to have the audience. You have to have the numbers. Um, And honestly, part of me felt like this is going to get canceled immediately, so I didn't bother watching. <laughs> but thank goodness it wasn't, Um, because I ultimately feel like this show... um needs to be viewed by everyone in the world (laughs) i i am a strong proponent of uh, making this mandatory viewing for people um because there is a you know a a larger picture here to the show that i don't think again you don't really fully absorb until we get later on to the series but let's 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 get into um our characters here we have eleanor shellstrop that is played by Kristen bell um i it's it's hard to find a word um uh to really describe i guess who she is altogether uh i i I guess she would describe herself as a medium person uh she knows she is sure as hell no saint um and she's done some bad things kind of she's kind of a crummy person Mm -hmm. especially when we flash back to her scenes on earth um, but what she was like before she died and everything. But 
there is, and then this may be on the part of Kristen Bell immediately, but you're you're just you're you find yourself rooting for her, even though I like any rational person would would look at all of what's going on, and and you also do understand Chidi's plight. Like, why am I helping you? Like, I you had your chance, and I. I I don't know if you're worth it. And I also don't even know if this is going to help you any. Mm-hmm. So like, I think automatically you're, you're very understanding of both of their points of view, but then again, you still can't help but root for her. I mean, I think there's a, there's a long history of characters that are deeply flawed um, and more so problematic, but I always find myself rooting for characters that want to be better people. Mm. I don't know. It doesn't matter the medium or whatever. Go ahead. No, yeah. That was a very big focus with Eleanor. It's just that they had to make sure that like she wants to be better, even if her intentions are are not in the right place because she knows like, okay, there's a bad place. I don't want to go there. <laughs> but like you do see especially like throughout the first season like she she is generally trying to grow as a person she generally wants to be a better person <laughs> and so that's that was a great thing about her and then chidi <laughs> he uh i think they did it i don't know if they expect did they explain that first season i can't remember but like i, th- I think they did a good job of explaining as to like why she wants to help her and just being like this is my job <laughs> i i'm a what is a philosophy teacher and i teach people like how to be good in this world so it it'll be against my moral code to not help you i also love the architecture of that town uh that they use as the good place there's just some like you, you have that very I don't know, clean, small town charm to it. It kind of reminds me a little bit, even though it's much nicer because um, it is the afterlife, but it reminds me of uh, the charm that I got off Storybrooke from the show Once Upon a Time. Mm. Uh, so I, I, think, I think, you know, from a production design standpoint, I love, I just really love how well designed that beautiful neighborhood is, especially all of the stuff. Uh, with the houses and where they live, um, which also helps, you know, establish what kind of people these characters are. Um, no, and Chidi is, um, <laughs> he, he's just so kind and and always willing to help people. I mean, he's. I think it says so much about him immediately that he is willing to basically put his own place in the good place on the line to help this person. Um, but almost immediately, you do get the conundrum of his character and then also kind of a bigger philosophical debate that uh, that the show will inevitably facilitate when he asks the question of, well, if I help you, keep you know if i help eleanor stay in the good place where the hell um what the hell does that mean for the other the real eleanor (laughs) who technically should be here (laughs) and am i condemning myself 
um, am I doing any good, basically, even though uh, I think I'm doing this, uh, this seemingly good thing? So I think with, with Chidi, um, he's an entertaining person to follow with, uh, you know, his unique trait of being so indecisive. But in many ways, like, he he facilitates the big ethical questions that the show likes to ask um, almost immediately mm -hmm. um, with the challenges, uh, especially when he has to lie the entire time and, you know, <laughs> how it affects him and everything. So, But genuinely speaking that, you know, Chidi and Eleanor have great chemistry together. Like this whole concept of a soulmate, um, because it was it was a concept for the the tense and purposes of this first season. It almost felt to me like where they were gonna go with that was I don't know like they they definitely like the show is telling me that this Eleanor was the wrong Eleanor, but it kind of seems like something went right because these two kind of really work really well together. Mm -hmm. So I I was kind of convinced that we were going on this like road of like they are soulmates, although I. Um, couldn't anticipate, of course, that um, part of the introduction of Soulmates was kind of a sham. Um, <laughs> you know. Yeah. No, actually, about the their chemistry, it was, um, what's her name? Christian Bell. Mm. You know, they they put a, a, put a lot of guys for the role of Chidi. And it was actually her decision to get the guy who played Chidi. Um, what's his name? I'm looking his name up right now. I knew we were going to go there. Um, his name is William Jackson Harper. Okay, William. It was her that, you know, she she saw a bunch of other guys, and she was kind of like, you know, this, you know, these guys are great, but there's something about William that like tells my like in her gut. She says it's got to be this guy. Yeah. And it's just, it's insane just like how this show came about. So, yeah. you know, uh, the network, they talked to Mike Shore and they just went, hey, uh, we need to fill in time. Uh, we're going to give you 13 episodes. Do whatever you want. That's that's how they like went up to him. And he was, he, he just took the chance of just going, fuck it. Let's make something crazy. And, <laughs> and he told the idea to the uh, network people. They all went, uh, <laughs> like they were already nervous right away. But it's funny because he tells them, oh, don't worry, though. This isn't going to be like a lecture every single episode or anything like that. But by this or no, he said it's not going to be a class lesson in every single episode. But by the second episode, Chidi has a blackboard. And he's just Literally. like, <laughs> <laughs> <"Next> <laughs> it's just like, oh, my God, it's so funny. But. But then everything else, like everyone put everything they could into this show. You know, again, uh, Christian Bell, like, actually, no, really, Mike Shore, whenever he went up to someone and goes, hey, do you want to be in my show? Everyone just went, yes, I'm in. Before I even, like, tell them what the premise is or anything like that. And, you know, they know it's a crazy show, but they just went, hey, it's Mike Shore. Like, it's going to be great. <laughs> we know it is. And and not even just the actors, but like the costume designers, set designers, um, yeah. special effects people. You know, Mike, 
uh, whoever director or Mike Shore, he goes up to him. He's like, hey, can you make flying shrimp uh, <laughs> in this scene? <laughs> or, hey, can you make 300 uh, uh, black and yellow striped uh, clothing for all these characters? They all just went, sure, let's go for it. Like, no hesitation, no doubt. And they all just did their job. It's insane. <laughs> you know, that is, that that really, I feel, that makes a lot of sense considering what that pilot ended up being, right? <laughs> because, and it also is truly something special in the sense that this is NBC. This is network television. And this is very rare instance of them basically writing a creator a blank check <laughs> and quote a, and basically permission to do whatever you want. When does that fucking happen? This is remind just to remind people, this is not Netflix. It's not a streaming service where, you know, they can be a little bit more lax on how, you know, in control they are of a product. But it goes to show you that what a pure accident this was. Mm -hmm. Because based on what you said, this show was only ever uh, greenlit because they needed to fill in airtime as a mid-season replacement. <laughs> and like, whoa, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. I did not know that. <laughs> and it also explains why the show is as good as it was. Because <laughs> Michael Shore was basically allowed to do whatever he wanted to do. Yeah. It's, it says a lot when you give a creator free reign. <laughs> you know, instead of meddling in. <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy, man. Mm -hmm. But it's also kind of like a... It's just like one of those one in a million stories. Because you just know, like, even the best of shows on network television, mm -hmm. even the best of shows on network television have uh, oh, a wow. lot of... Uh, you cut off. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I had uh, I'd gathered. I was saying that even, you know, a lot of the best shows on network TV have a lot of supervision, a lot of oversight. Mm -hmm. Um but it's really interesting, the the attitude NBC has had lately. And I guess it also does help, you know, in Michael Schur's case, the guy has an amazing track record of success. Yeah. Already at this point. Mm -hmm. He had already established Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Parks and Rec recently had ended in the last few years, and of course, the big shebang, The Office. Mm -hmm. So um, this man, I feel, um, has kind of earned uh that point for you know a program where he could do whatever he wanted to do um and i guess it really just explains a lot of how good the show is because um at no point did you get the sense that um there was any kind of intervention or meddling there was a voice that was clear mm -hmm. um and yeah, maybe that's also why I thought it would get canceled immediately because it's like, <laughs> well, people are just not going to respond. But I'm so happy that people did respond. Yeah. 
Um, so uh, let me let me let's get to our other characters here. We have Tahani, and we have Jason. <laughs> Boy, um, <laughs> this is a really uh weird group of people, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Well, Tahani, there was a specific reason why they went with um her look. Uh, mm. so they wanted someone tall, British, and just kind of really different from um, Eleanor because you know Eleanor she's short uh, she's kind of um, insecure about herself and so when she right. sees Tahani oh my again God. she's tall <laughs> British kind of like in uh, Eleanor's like mind she's kind of perfect you mm. know and so that's yeah. why they got someone like her to play Tahani she's almost immediately threatened by Tahani I think yeah. even from the first like moments of the show she's like this bitch ain't no good and I'm going to expose her <laughs> all the while her trying to become a better person. And she's the one who's like the plant and everything. But yeah, yeah it's hilarious how immediately she is like, mm, something's up with her <laughs> to her credit. It was kind of a point because yeah, everyone likes to honey and she's sweet and nice to everyone. But the, the one thing I did suspect at least in Tahani that something was just something was hidden that wasn't on the surface because she is so um uh aristocratic <laughs> shall we say um and aristocratic individuals at least in how you and I know them to be in our real life they ain't the kind of people who um would be as generous. And in fact, there is even examples later on in the series where someone of that social class is brought in uh, to the good place. Um, and you begin to see immediately why that didn't gel. Um, in that case, I'm talking about way into the future of this series. Mm-hmm. But I guess my, one of the questions I had with Tahani immediately was like, hmm. And I, this person must have been really good to be here. And then they, they do give us explanations. Um, I think uh, rationalizations, I think, for most of the people, uh, at least in the first episode or two, until you begin to realize um, Eleanor isn't the only person in the good place that was uh, placed by mistake. Because <laughs> it, it, this is actually in a brilliant reveal. And it was kind of like my jaw dropped to the ground. <laughs> so when uh, Tahani's soulmate... Jason, or I think he was known as Gian Yu, Gian Yu, the silent monk, um, all knowing and wise and uh, all of that. Um, he was, you know, at, at least for the first episode or, or, or two, he was, you know, seen as this wise sage. And there was even a sequence where. Uh, Michael, the architect, uh, which we'll get to him, was having uh, a little bit of a crisis. And then Jace, uh, Gianyu, sorry, uh, staying character, Gianyu placed his hand on Michael's heart. And then Michael was like, oh, thank you. That's exactly what I needed. And <laughs> he walks out of the room and Tahani is completely just 
in shock of what just <laughs> she just can't understand what that happened and how it was that they had a community you know some kind of connection but she can't have a connection to jian yu who is supposed to be her soulmate which is why they live together it's funny how so many things kind of you know make sense from a really cruel standpoint once you realize <laughs> the gag that is being placed here right oh <laughs> it's a different it's insane <laughs> Because it is funny on, on, on the level that it is presented, but once you realize what's really going on, you, oh, this is kind of <laughs> cruel, but it's funnier. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but anyway, with Gian, you the, the revelation that he is Jason Mendoza <laughs> from the horrid uh, dwelling swamp of Florida. Go Jaguars, apparently. Um Jacksonville, Florida. Jacksonville, Florida. That is correct. Um, and he um, outs himself to Eleanor. Um, and he reveals himself as the person who uh, had slipped a note under her door of like, I know, I guess you don't belong here or I know who you are, whatever the, the damn thing the note said. And so they have a connection. And for the, you know, the next couple of episodes, uh, thereafter, it, it's all a game of like, well, uh, we have to tell Chidi, and so Chidi is aware, and then his his dilemma only worsens, and all the while trying to keep it hidden from from Tahani. Uh, so J- let's let's go a little bit with uh, with these with with Tahani real quick. So Tahani is, um, what did you make of her initially? Let's uh, in, let's just pure. Let's just stay with season one mm-hmm. um, as a person or as a character. What 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 was the thing that um, made you wonder about her? I was just kind of like, oh, you're the high class, like, <laughs> you're that off. person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> show off type of person, which is funny, though, because the woman that plays Tahani, she's kind of exactly like her character, only like is really, she? really nice. Yeah, it's funny. Like. Mm. She'll occasionally bring up like, yeah, I went to this party with this celebrity and blah, blah, blah. Or someone <laughs> someone went to a party and I think they said that she she was next to Kanye West or something. <laughs> it was just like, te- yeah. like chatting with him. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's, oh, and also Tahani, she wears like a lot of dresses and all that. The actress literally, it wasn't until like, I don't know, the second... Yeah, the second season of the show that she finally wore pants for like the first time for the first time. Like she's only ever worn dresses in in real life. It's insane just how much her character like wow. she is like her character. Um, no, but like yeah, just it was just kind of like oh, you're that kind of person. I never really like again. The show did a good job of um showing her like okay, she did do some good things, uh, on Earth and everything. So she does kind of that being said though you immediately detect her as being a complete narcissist i mean how could you not but then we also deal with certain dilemmas where she like she just has to hear what a good job what a good job she's done or how good of a person she is there's even a a whole subplot where she uh basically hacks her way into the the points system of how good or someone is Mm -hmm. you know in the good place and she's like uh because she just has to know because uh, evidently, um, uh, she, I think part of the humor with her is using that narcissism against her, where she is like, uh, 
especially in moments where she feels as if she's being praised or complimented. And then it ends up being now no one cares or she's insulted or something hilariously happens to her. Mm-hmm. Um, you, it's almost as if she were being tortured or something, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> With how wrong <laughs> certain things go. Uh, Jason Mendoza is interesting. Um, for most of the, of this season, I didn't know quite what to make of him. Mm -hmm. If only because he is dumber than a pile of rocks. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I will repeat it again. He is dumber than a pile of rocks. I, I mean, again, it, it just, it, it, um, brings up the weird, eclectic a group of people that we have with this dynamic, right? But he can range from being, um, I mean, he was funny. He was entertaining enough. Oh, yeah. Um, but I don't know if there was anything in this first season that, uh, I guess made you feel that sorry for him. I guess the mm-hmm. only times where you do feel sympathy is where his own ignorance and stupidity um, are the reason for why uh, he can't advance as a person um, the way that he would want to. Or, I mean, they reveal that he literally died suffocating in a locker. Did they reveal that in the first season? Did they? I thought they did that, didn't they? Oh, they reveal eventually. Hmm. Eventually, they reveal that. It may, either it was this one or it was the next season. I, it may have been the next one, but I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was this one. I don't, I don't know, remember. to be honest with you. <laughs> Again, the but, episodes, they flow so well right. that you just kind of get lost. <laughs> so hopefully we don't spoil anything for the third and fourth. But actually, no. Yeah. Third and fourth are pretty easy not to spoil. Um, no, but yeah, Jason, like he is... He's more of a lovable idiot. <laughs> it's like the nice yeah, way to put it. Yeah, lovable at times. At other at times, times yeah. I, I, I just like, I was like, dude, I don't know if it, if it became toward the end of the season where finally Eleanor was like, here's some keys or something. Go play with them in the corner just to shut him <laughs> the fuck up because he <laughs> contributed absolutely nothing to most of the conversations. <laughs> and I was like, thank you. Thank you, girl, for doing that because I was about losing my patience with him sometimes. <laughs> what's so funny though is that you know he's he really is like the dumbest character in the show but he figured out the twist before eleanor did he yeah i don't wait okay i'll tell you when we get to it but like he figured it out kind of (laughs) but yeah all right all right well yeah that i guess that does say a lot there um all right. Well, it's interesting, right? Because I, I want to get to Michael and Janet, but I wonder if we should talk about them after we talk about the reveal at the end of season one. Because I mean, um, well, I can say a few things about Janet. So I mean, right. Janet, she's just uh, she's like Siri, basically. She'll not a girl, you... <laughs> not a girl, <laughs> not a girl, not a not a robot. <laughs> not a person this <laughs> is just like and well the reason She's why that interface. was yeah the reason why that was like an ongoing joke though is because mike shore really had 
absolutely no idea what to do with Janet. Um, <gasps> yeah, and it's insane because like the one thing he made sure to uh, get the right actress for this is that she had to be um, dynamic. No, no, no. Uh, um, oh my god, what's the word like? Um, uh, God, it's I've heard this word like a million times, and somehow I forget it. Uh, what does it mean? Uh, the you know those actors that like just kind of like make stuff up on a on the spot. Uh, oh, comedic- she uh, uh, improvisational. Yeah, like she had to like, be good they, at improv, basically. Yeah, yeah, improv. Oh my God, I don't know why I started <laughs> the. Yeah, she, like they had to be. This person had to be an improv actor, basically. And mm. you know, when they finally found the actress for it, Mike sure went up to her and was just like, "Look, I have no idea what to do with this character, but we'll figure it out as we go along." And so, you know, they finally kind of like got something with her after season two, basically, really. And so that's that's just an interesting thing about Janet that I learned about. It's just they really had no idea what to do with it. They just see. Mike Shore just for sure he wanted someone to kind of like at first actually Janet was supposed to be a kiosk like you just go into a place really you ask a question or you ask for something and then like you just get it right there and you like walk out but I can't remember how they came up with just making it a person or a thing (laughs) well I mean I don't know it did feel a little thrown together because there's a development with her this season with her, shall we say, bond <laughs> with Jason. <laughs> yeah. I honestly have no idea how they came up with that. <laughs> it would not surprise me if it was like thrown together. Why don't we just put these two together and see what happens? Yeah. Which was a stroke of genius. <laughs> <laughs> yes, in the end, it was genius, honestly. Because uh, early on, I think it was, it was toward, toward the end of the uh, season one, they get married. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> There's a joke, though. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I'll bring it up later. But like, let's just get to Michael, I guess. So Michael yeah. is the architect of the good place and everything. And um, Should we just get to the spoilers of it or... Well, yeah, let's just reveal it, I guess. Because I don't know. Like, yeah. Michael is... Michael is basically the same person, uh, except with the first season, he's he's um, selectively being a certain kind of way, you know, for the sake of the ruse mm. that he is, that he is uh, responsible for. Um, not in the same in the sense that um, all of that was kind of a facade. There were some things in that in 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 the first uh, season. There was a lot of truth to yeah, who yeah. Michael is. In no, there. Yeah. the reality, of course, ends up being that most of it was. <sighs> You've been punked, bitch. Um, so. <laughs> I it is uh we're getting it to the finale here. And a lot of things have happened. Um by the time we get to the, the end of this first season, right? Um we've had I think midway through season 1, 
um, Eleanor reveals who she is, and that she is the imposter because she felt guilt for how bad that she was making Chidi feel and for her being the cause of what's going on wrong with the good place. Um, it was also the introduction of uh, Tia Sakar, who we know from Star Wars Rebels, the voice of Sabine, who is Vicky. Um, in reality, is Vicky, but she plays <laughs> the real Eleanor for the second half of season one um, as the real like humanitarian. And we, we, there are episodes where we get to know her and you see just what a good person she is. You also have the introduction of bad place people that come by. I believe, is it Adam Scott? That's his name, right? Um, Adam Scott so. that um, plays uh, in the head of the bad place or I guess conductor, if you will, um, which honestly was really inspired casting mm -hmm. on the part of Mike Shore. Of course, <laughs> they work together on Parks and Recreation, but you also remind like... Part of the reasons why I really loved Adam Scott in Parks and Recreation is because he played a character in Ben that was so unlike most of his, I think, career. Because he just has that face and that attitude of, like, this fucking asshole. <laughs> but, of course, he played to his strengths um, with this role, and he was so unbelievably entertaining <laughs> uh, for the episode that he crashed The Good Place. Um, especially when he's prodding Eleanor and everything. Oh, so there's a lot of really fun stuff that happens mm -hmm. throughout. Also, the um, introduction of the medium place that actually is um, a place that you can go to that is in that location is used repeatedly throughout the series. Um, and all along the way, you, again, it's just kind of what we had said earlier on It's just the show is really ingenious mm -hmm. in just about almost every single aspect. It plays to so many different um, emotions. It's first and foremost humorous, but it also kind of makes sense for what, you know, this is uh, for what universe or what world um, with whatever rules I think they're trying to establish here. But we're ramping and ramping toward uh the finale of sorts and by that point we get to a place where chidi and eleanor um jason and tahani have a camaraderie amongst themselves they have a common a commonality to them even though in tahani um at this point in the series isn't questioning i guess her place um she's pretty much questioning everybody else's um but there is a growing fondness between them. Um, and you're you're becoming aware that this is the show and they're the ones who are carrying the show. And if that's the case, I'm in. And so, you, so far with how things have gone with season one at this point, as a viewer, I have to say, I was very much all in. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> a false sense of security just to rip it all out from underneath you. <laughs> David, tell me, just <laughs> tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me about this amazing twist. I think it's easily one of the best of all time uh, and how gobsmacked you were oh, when you saw God. this. It was just like a quick, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was that, but also kind of a little bit of a, 
No. Are no. they like are they pranking us or are something? They, are they fucking with us here? Like, yeah. You know? <laughs> and that's that's the thing that's that's how Jason figured it out. He thought he was you know, when I don't know went up to him, he's just like and and you know, they're finally talking to each other, like revealing uh he is Jason and not Gianyu and all that. He was trying to go it's like, where are we at, by the way? Like, I don't know where we are. <laughs> and she's like, you're you're dead, dude. You're in the good place. And it's like, oh, so this isn't a prank show or anything like that? <laughs> and that's how he figured it out. He had no idea. And they actually... And they actually... <laughs> and so, like, when it finally the reveal that they're in the bad place... <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Uh... Jason goes, oh, look, Eleanor, I was right. I did say it was a prank. And she goes, oh, yeah. Like, you did for you. Good for you, man. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> Praise for you. <laughs> and, But, yeah, no, like, when I heard that, it was just, like, I was just kind of confused because I'm like, but this is the good place, though. <laughs> How is this the bad place? And, you know, it's really fun rewatching the first season kind of going oh <laughs> they're really being tortured aren't they <laughs> yeah oh man. Yeah. especially like some of the things that you brought up like um one of the ones that like i just laugh so much is when you meet vicky and um adam scott's character and they're all having dinner <laughs> and you know at this point like i don't know she feels really confident that she's becoming a better person and like the reason why she was a bad person was because of like shit that happened to her in the past and she kind of goes yeah um my parents you know they divorce and that really affects people you know and then vicky just goes in and goes yeah my parents left me in the trash and i just went from <laughs> one home to the next just like being abandoned right left and right and then i got captured by some people and all that blah 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 <laughs> and then adam scott's character is just like it's like wow, she went. You went through that, and you still decide to help people all around the world. Like that's amazing. And what happened to you, Eleanor? The thing that happens to like fifty percent of people in America. <laughs> oh my god! And I'm like, oh no, that's so fucked up. It, it's hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, go ahead, David. Uh, but no. Also, like, so again, the big twist. They're in a bad place, and. Mike Shore was like trying to be super, super careful and not to reveal that. Only when he found that, when they finally filmed the scene, or no, no, when the final the episode aired, Ted Danson, Ted Danson, who plays Michael, goes up to mm-hmm. him and goes, "Yeah, I told like seventy people about the twist <laughs> before <laughs> before the episode aired." He was just like, "Why?" Uh, the reason why is because you know Ted he'll tell people like, "Yeah, I'm in this show called A Good Place," and like he'll tell them a bit of the premise, and they just go, "Oh, that sounds nice," like. But like he's just he he would just get so frustrated and going like no but there's more and like he'll tell them the twist. <laughs> it's so yeah. <laughs> um, we'll get to Ted Tanson right now in a bit of uh, for this amazing twist. Um, mm-hmm. It was mind blowing. It was absolutely mind blowing, and sure did an amazing job of keeping this as hidden. I mean, it's one of those twists that you and I love where. Man, I didn't see it coming. But mm-hmm. maybe, maybe I should have seen it coming. Oh, for sure. Maybe I should have seen it coming. 
it, it was staring us in the face the entire time. But it also, I feel, depended so much on how that particular scene was executed, right? So when the light bulb goes up, uh, Eleanor announces, I think this is the bad place. And she looks over to Michael. And Michael is, you can't read his face or what that mm-hmm. means. And the camera stays on the shot. And then it zooms in real quick. And then, and I have to say, so amazing, so much props to Ted Danson for coming up with this laugh. Mm-hmm. Because even though this is a comedic show, I found that gave, like, that sent a, a chill down my spine. <laughs> that cackle immediately starts into cackling. Um, and it felt like the devil himself, he is kind of a devil. He's, he's a demon, literally, mm-hmm. um, in disguise, but it's like the devil himself, like revealing himself amongst the people and then just laughing at their misery. And then mm-hmm. you think to yourself, and then you, you juxtapose that against, you know, Chidi and Tahani's faces and how they just drop and the realization sets in. And you're like, what the fuck? What happened? Did they did they did they just blew up the show? <laughs> yeah, no, that laugh actually was improvised. So in the script, <gasps> really, um, Michael, yeah. So in the script, Michael was supposed to just kind of like throw a bit of a tantrum. So like you know, so the scene is he laughs and he's like, oh, you just had to ruin everything, and. And then, like, it cuts to a commercial, basically. And then the next scene, he, like, he's just like, oh, Eleanor, what the heck? You know, I worked so hard on this. And he sits down and he, like, throws, like, a little plant off the table. Like, what do you think of that? <laughs> just, like, that was, that uh, that scene right there was in the script. But there was something about it that they just were, like, there's something missing here. Like, I don't know what it is. And then Ted Danson went, can I add something? And that's when he added the laugh. And then the struggle though now it was the transition between the laugh and the tantrum. You know, it just again it didn't feel right. But they went, Oh, it's when when network television, we'll just cut to commercial on that scene. And so like and when you watch it on <laughs> and when you watch it on Netflix, like again, it's the laugh, cut to black, and then the next scene, and it's the tantrum. I mean it, again it flows perfectly. Like, it's incredible how they thought of that. <laughs> I got to tell you, man, I was just, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I, and I was just like, man, I should have seen this coming. Yeah. Um. Well, uh, I forgot to mention some of the things that Mike Shore did to be careful with the reveal was that you never saw Michael alone in his office. Because like once you see once he's by himself, then he's gonna right. be that whole like mustache twirling, uh-huh. evil genius type of thing. But also another thing, <laughs> he tried to avoid um, the color red on Michael. Like he didn't want any signals that he was a demon or the devil or anything like that. He even got <laughs> he was even so nervous though. Like I think um, Mike was wearing like something purple on an episode, and he was like. Does that seem evil to you guys? Like, I don't know. And everyone was just like, calm down. <laughs> like, it's fine. Like, he was really nervous about that reveal. 
Yeah, man. Look, I think this is an appropriate time to, you know, include uh, Michael in this. Um, I love this character. Yeah. Um, I and I love the journey that we will explore with him uh, in season two. But I also really enjoyed him for most of season one. Um, he just came across as so sweet and genuine in kind mm-hmm. and boy were we did we get get <laughs> here because that could not have been further from the truth he he's a nasty piece of shit uh <laughs> in that based on that little taste we got at the end of the episode where he's like oh you ruined my fun um all right i guess we can just you know take you to be tortured for all eternity until the end of time with such you know callousness in his voice and everything and then you realize what we're going through the genesis of this idea michael was just bored and i he just wanted to have some fun and like why don't we try a new approach to torture because the reveal is all right so this is the bad place and the bad place is very typical in terms of how they torture their victims throughout all the end of time and we're shown michael as being this architect that just wants to um you know, shake things up a little bit and make his make a personal mark um, on the bad place and come up with an even more uh, with a, a more torturous example uh, that they could use, which is what he constructed as the fake good place. And it was much more of a psychological um, torture mm-hmm. than it was a physical one. Um, that they love to really describe, like there was this one sequence early <laughs> on in the show where Janet um, is asked to, you know, play audio from the bad place, and there is nothing but screaming and flames heard in the background, <laughs> and that definitely painted a fucking image. They talk about like stuffing spiders up someone's anus, and it's just like, wow, the kind of shit that they talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the through line between the, the versions of Michael that we know, and this probably could, could have suggested um, the kind of direction they were taking with this character is that, you know, this is a demon. And by all intents and purposes, from his perspective, um, this is the behavior of what he is, is entirely indicative of what a demon is. And so... He doesn't know any better, but more to the point, there is an earnestness in him. Mm-hmm. Like th- this was a passion project of his. Granted, it was a torture chamber, but I mean <laughs> that—that's kind of a. There's something to this character where, like, um, well, by the time that we close out season one, you don't really know where we're gonna go with him because they end the season with like a snap or rebooting everything. I'm gonna, I've been given the green light to do a second attempt. Um, hopefully, where Eleanor doesn't figure it out, and that's the cliffhanger that we get for season one, uh, where we basically start things over again. Um, but from that moment on, you think that season two. Oh, okay. We're is gonna be all right. We're doing season one all over again. Mm-hmm. Which, thinking in hindsight, that might have been quite boring. 
No, yeah, no, they they made sure like uh, they made sure to reveal like straight away that no, you're not gonna go through the same thing over in this in the second season. We're you know they just gonna rush through it, basically the reboot of it, and then <laughs> we're gonna change the whole thing <laughs> in the middle of it, basically. And but to oh, real quick, uh, I'm sorry, I, I didn't uh, keep that thought. I just wanted to say um, we'll get we'll get to more on Michael in our discussion in season two. I will say it is a great um. What's it? They call it a, a coup. I don't know why they call it a coup, but it's in television. It's used as a terminology that means, oh my god, it's so good for us that we got a big name. Uh, in the sense that Ted Danson is on this show, mm. and like the legitimacy that he brings because of what a veteran actor he is. Of course, I mean, Ted Danson is most well known for the legendary television show Cheers. It ran for 11 seasons. I've watched all 11 seasons of Cheers. And let me tell you, as a comedy, that show never lost its footing. Like there, there were some shows like Frasier, for example. I love Frasier more than Cheers, but by season 10 and 11, things were really like, all right, guys, I think we've played this out. For 11 seasons, that show sustained uh, what made that show great. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, and, and, and we, I don't know if you have ever seen Cheers or know of it, but there's a little bit of a Cheers reference later on in the show mm-hmm. uh, that we'll get to. But, um, He's he, he's just one of those faces that people know because he's been on television for a decade, at least. And I'm just talking about Cheers, not you know referring to anything else he's been. But he's a really good actor. Mm-hmm. And that moment that you brought up of him like suggesting the, the, the cackle in the big reveal, I think really suggests um, the value uh, that he brought to this show and i also love the design of his look i I love the you know the 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 simple suits with the bow tie Mm -hmm. and the glasses there's just something i don't know so um aesthetically pleasing about that his look or whatever yeah it it buys into the whole like notion of him like trying to like come off as this like lovable grandpa or uncle or something you Mm -hmm. know Anyway, your, your your point of what you were gonna say. Uh, well, first thing, my dad did try to get me to watch Cheers. I think I saw like maybe three or four episodes. Mm. Um, but you know, I've I've been thinking about like trying to go for it because again, you know, people praise Ted Danson for that show and all that. And it's old school. Keep this in mind. It's old school. We're mm-hmm. talking about like, um, the eighties. Uh, I think it was mid eighties to the mid nineties, or how long? It was, maybe. Uh, excuse me. Ah. Uh, Yes, it was mid '80s, mid '90s when the show was on. Um, it is, but it, keep in mind it is old school, and it is a comedy, and a lot of the references might be dated. But dare I say, it was a brilliant comedy. Mm-hmm. It's a great concept. There's a, a, a large ensemble of characters, um, but at least what I remember, it was always hilarious as to what was going on. So I give it a watch. Have you seen Frasier? No. So you can watch that. As a as a combo, because you have Cheers, and then Frasier is the spinoff of Cheers with one of the characters of the cast. Um, it's kind of like a spinoff sequel series of sorts. It's a very different show, but very mm. good as well. Uh, different feel. Oh, that's cool. Than what it is. Mm. Well, uh, well, to go back to Michael. Uh, so one thing they did 
to kind of like make you like him a bit is that there was a a, a bit of honesty with his character and yeah. one of the big things was that he's really fascinated by humans so like when you go into his office he has like a collection of stuff and one of the things that kind of like <laughs> uh comes up a lot was his bowl of paper clips <laughs> And, like, I think at one point, like, he figures out, like, what the problem of the good place is. And he's, like, paperclip, like, waterfall or something. I don't know what he does. But he dumps all the paperclips on Eleanor. It's so funny. And one other thing. Uh, there was a joke that they took out of the show where he shows Eleanor, like, his bowl of paperclips for the first time. And she goes, oh, yeah, this is cool. I used to do this a lot. And she takes a few paperclips and makes a necklace out of it. And Michael goes... Do that again. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! It's just like again, he's so fascinating, and I love those scenes where he just like he brings up like small things like humans do that mm-hmm. like it kind of like goes over your head, but it is kind of funny when we think about it. Like when he goes, I don't know if it was this season or the first season. But, like, he has, like, keys. Oh, yeah, it was. Like, he has keys, and he goes, oh, it's keys. I can't wait to go. Where are my keys? And he's patting, like, his legs, trying to find him and all that. It's just, you know, that's, it, there's a little, there's a lot of honesty with his character. And especially, like, the things that he brought brings up in the world. Like, um, he brings up the retirement thing. You know, that his body gets, like, I don't know, decompose or something. And like, it's gets that scattered. was actually based in truth. Um, early on, um, where he was considering to retire himself. And, um, basically he was being honest in how they describe being retired as it's not, it, it, it's, I guess the closest thing that I can compare it to was like, um, the Starlack pit and star Wars where your body is like slowly digested over a thousand years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's basically it. <laughs> so, I think that's and that's one thing that they did to kind of make you care about Michael, especially after the reveal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. No, but look. Um. I guess if I were like watching this year after year, and you're looking at the finale of season one, that did, did such a good job with establishing what this show was. There, I, I could definitely see some concerns um, going into season two about, wait, are we really just going to repeat everything mm-hmm. again? And then cause I, I thought like, okay, we're going to basically take two. And it is take two for the most, I mean, in terms of like what is being attempted here by the, by Michael. But um, I guess like what I had, I guess literally what I thought was going to happen was all right we're going to we're going to do the same thing again but adjust some things here and there mm-hmm. and it lasts like two episodes three episodes because mm-hmm. and, and, and i also thought this was brilliant and hilarious so now we're officially transitioning into season two yeah Michael spends most of the first episode amping up everyone to the demons. By the way, it also is revealed that everybody beside the four main characters is a demon playing a part. Um, then he's like amping up the town and everything. All right, guys, let's go for a take two. You can tell just how annoyed everyone is, <laughs> but they're just like going along with Michael's plan or whatever. 
Um, and he's just like everyone getting everyone amped up and let's let's go ahead and do this. This is how we're gonna get them this time and they won't see it coming and everyone act better, I guess. And all right. It it basically came off like um <laughs> uh the director of a of a play giving notes after they had their premiere, you know? <laughs> That's exactly what they were trying to go for, especially really? <laughs> with the dynamic between him and Vicky. Because right. Michael's the director, but Vicky is the you know <coughs> the upcoming actress that she wants to become and everything. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like that's kind of what her character is. At least that's how they wanted to write her. But mm-hmm. the actress that played Vicky, her inspiration, uh, you know, she's pretty like full of herself arrogant kind of wants to take over she and this is her words but like her inspiration was trump <laughs> really yeah is that i mean I, I understand that i guess it came off a little bit too sane to be trump <laughs> i don't know what era trump she means because the guy has kind of like lost his mind mm-hmm. um i guess she wasn't over the top with that i guess um i did really enjoy her character though because she like, if it was just weird. Like every every other demon was like, oh, I can't believe we have to do this shit. And she was like, Michael, and especially in those first two episodes, what the hell is going on? I was given like a starring role in the first season, and now I'm like reduced to a background character. And all she wants is to be handed like a substantial. I love <laughs> what she does. Though. <laughs> She like they go to the party. And she's walking to Chidi with a limp. And it's just <laughs> she's just trying to convince Michael. Like, come on, just give me something different. Can I give go me with a limp? A... Yeah, he's just like, fine, go with a limp. Oh my god. <laughs> um. So. <laughs> Uh, well, one thing that they did that to kind of like really speed up, um, you know, uh, this whole reboot thing was at the end of the first season, Eleanor puts a note on Janet's mouth. In Janet. Yeah, yeah. in Janet's mouth. <laughs> and so it was, it's funny though how they came up with that. So in the beginning of the first season, Janet makes, and it was just a throwaway joke that like, oh, I don't eat. I just, you know, it's just, uh, I don't what was it <clears throat> sorry what was i put it, it in my void no no no. it's like no i it's like no i'm technically not a person so i don't eat at all or something like that it was supposed to yeah. be this throwaway joke mm-hmm. and they were kind of when at the end of the season they were trying to figure out like okay what the heck do we do to like speed this up along <laughs> you know yeah. for the next season and they they went back to that joke and went let's go for that and so it's just like it's just funny though like the this random thing that they put they didn't really think about it much help them out at the end and help them out in the second season <laughs> yeah and um they solved that pretty quickly um to the point where um I, I i lost count of how many reboots there were do you know like 400 800 least? 800 oh okay. <laughs> yeah 800 800 different <laughs> Yeah, and it's so funny, just like every single one, what they all went through. So like Eleanor, all of her soulmates were different. Just like one 
different guy after another and at some point it was a Labrador and at another point it was Tahani and I love the way she walks in though she's just like yep it's me I'm your soulmate <laughs> and then and then all the different times that she figured out that they were in the bad place I think <laughs> she was at a jazz concert or something oh my and, God. and then at one point they were all dressed up as monks <laughs> and and then that one, and another time, the my favorite one though was when Jason figured it out, and Michael's just like, "No, you did not figure this out. <laughs> Why?" <laughs> there was even one, um, one of the reboots. Uh, Michael just straights up. He he's exhausted, and he just asks Eleanor, "What the fuck? <laughs> you can't be this smart. What is going on?" <laughs> <laughs> but that's part of one of the things we didn't mention, right? With like, they go out of their way initially to like keep them separated, mm-hmm. but they always find their way back together. Yeah. Especially Eleanor and Chidi. And then, of course, that causes Jason and Tahana to come back into play. So it's an, a constant struggle. But early on, I think it was by episode three or four. All right. Um, Michael basically is usurped by an insurrection led by Vicky. Dora like, all right, you know what? You're done. This is embarrassing. I'm in charge now. Um, otherwise, I'm going to tell... What's his name? I forget his name. Sean. Uh, Sean, yes. Oh, he's great. <laughs> um, the, 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 the big uh, guy in charge at the bad place. Uh, I was going to tell Sean that uh, this experiment has failed because the, Sean allowed a second attempt to happen. But all this time, he has been under the impression that the second attempt is ongoing. He did not sanction 800 fucking reboots. <laughs> that's for sure. And so Michael is kind of like, he has his balls caught in a, in a vice, basically, because if he if Sean finds out, then Michael's as good as dead. Um, basically. So, and then I guess this is where uh, it really picks up, uh, this season where we, Vicky is now in charge and you're at one moment wondering, all right, so how's that going to work out? Uh, there's this moment where Michael is, um, for whatever reason, um, seeking the advice of, of, uh, uh, Jason, um, and then he comes to the realization, and this is where the, the, the game plan goes from this point forward, is where he comes forward to Jason, Tahani, Chidi, and Eleanor with um, the proposal of an alliance and just is straight up with them. Like, look, you guys got me, but we're in a, in a different world of hurt now. Right where the stakes are higher than they ever have been for all of us. You have no reason to trust me, but my existence is on the line, and we need to help each other because so is yours. Unless you want to be tortured from now until the end of time. And so there is like, both of them are kind of caught in this very unfortunate happenstance. And it, it, I think it takes an episode to, um, for Eleanor especially to warm up to this kind of an alliance. And she's right to be distrustful mm-hmm. of Michael. 
Um, but he lures them in with the promise of getting them into the real good place. Um, and so, yeah, tell me uh, what you thought of that alliance coming together. Um, <clears throat> I mean, that was definitely like did not expect that at all <laughs> i know right yeah so like it was a crazy thing to think about like what's gonna happen here like you know this yeah. is where i kind of went now like okay what are the stakes now <laughs> mm-hmm. but like it was a it was a crazy turn but also one that i was kind of like this this is gonna be nice <laughs> yeah just because i like because i like the moment where i don't know went you know okay you're you'll be in our team but you have to take classes with us. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. And so in that moment, and, that's when I kind of went, oh, okay, maybe, well, they got to turn the demon into a good person now, or what's going to happen next? And I mean, like you said, like they know how to end the episodes wanting you to go for the next. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that episode, particularly, the, I, I uh, ended with. Um, Oh my goodness! What was the damn team name that they came up with? Team cockroach. Team cockroach. Yes, team cockroach. <laughs> uh, um, but it also was the beginning of uh, Michael and well, I guess an extent Janet was already integrated, but of course Janet also has a close relationship with Michael. But it it kind of sets the table for the remainder of the show now, like Michael is officially in and there will be growing pains of which we will see as to like uh, how much, you know, how seriously he is willing to take this whole, like learning about ethics. But it also just shows, it tells us that Michael is serious. Um, and it gives the audience an extra reason to be, tr- to, to believe Michael in what he's saying and that he is able to do this. And so like, you're automatically like, Whoa, okay. Uh, this is nice. Uh, we're, we're, we're doing a team up here, a team up thing here. And now we're going to go forward. Um, but almost immediately you understand what a difficulty it was for Chidi to, uh, get Michael to take any of these ethics lessons seriously. And it, it, it made a lot of sense when he he um kind of realized what the problem was and that would be that demons have no concept of death they're basically immortal beings mm-hmm. and without the concept of death there really isn't an incentive uh for morals or to be like i don't know good or any of that basically so the trick was to make Michael aware that, yes, in fact, um, death can happen to even you, especially when they prod him to be more um, descriptive about what exactly happens when beings like he are retired. Um, and it is, you know, at once hilarious and then also kind of like, whoa, um, in terms of like how the, how, uh, Ted Danson played it, but just the realization of like, you see the turn in his face, you know, 
that moment we've all had in our lives, I'm sure, <laughs> where you realize, I can die, but there won't be any me anymore. <laughs> and then he basically has a mental breakdown right then and there. And that's kind of the turn. Uh, not only for, you know, Michael taking these lessons seriously, but really the beginning of his... Uh, of his arc mm-hmm. uh, to who, who he will become. No, yeah. I mean, really after that, there it's, they really start hitting like the really big <laughs> ethical questions. Cause mm-hmm. I think the next episode after that, that's the whole, um, the murder situation. Yeah. The <laughs> murder situation, which is like, that was funny. Yeah. It was really <laughs> funny. No, but to go back to the, uh, death one i love how he kind of handled it the whole thing <laughs> going into this midlife crisis type of thing <laughs> oh that's right i forgot that that's oh right my God. <laughs> he like so they have like this huge party in the middle of the neighborhood and he comes in with like some i don't know mustang or something and he's like has this all what is it miami vice <laughs> type of suit he comes in going what's up muchachos <laughs> I can't remember <coughs> I can't remember who came up with it but one of the writers went, added this little joke of Michael showing someone tattoo and he's like it's Chinese for Japan <laughs> or something like that like he has a tattoo showing them to people it's just it's so funny um, no, that that was hilarious, right? Because like that's in the middle of like, again, the, I think the, the comedy means a lot more because he could potentially be blowing his cover, <laughs> um, right? Because this is so unusual. Like, just this came out of fucking nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so fun, right? Because mm-hmm. it, it basically did capture that whole like midlife crisis uh, scenario to a T. Mm-hmm. And. What I liked about it most, though, is that we're watching it for sure is it really is the beginning of um, Michael and Eleanor's friendship, like incredible friendship. Yeah. And uh, what I loved about that episode, too, is that when you go to the flashbacks of Eleanor and her dealing with death. So like she loses her. No. Oh, my God. She loses her dog. And the way her mom handled it was just absolutely horrible they actually they got, they got a lot of shit for that by the way <laughs> the way Did they, they? yeah uh, i mean I'm, there was a bunch of other ones too actually yeah i remember now uh, in the first season um michael kicked the puppy to the sun do you remember that to the sun yeah <laughs> it was when uh, he was realizing like bad things were happening in the good place and like he was freaking out about everything. I remember that. Yeah. Yes, yes. He literally kicked a puppy to the sun. Mm-hmm. And like some people give gave the show a lot of shit for that. And so then now they brought it back. Another like horrible puppy thing. And now they got a lot of shit for that too. It's, it's, uh, I honestly think it's funny <laughs> the way people handled it. What the fuck? I know. And then so anyway. Eleanor, the next thing she deals with is her dad's death and then her mom's death. <laughs> and I finally just like 
breaks to her. She's at a, what is it, Bed Bath & Beyond, looking at toothbrushes, a family set of toothbrushes, and just kind of like, that's when she loses it and everything. Uh, which I think they actually shot that scene in an actual Bed Bath & Beyond. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just kind of then, then that's kind of how it leads to her talking to Michael of like, hey, life can be bad, but you know, you just got to look at the little things in life and keep moving forward with it. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's really great seeing that scene have again having that be the beginning of their friendship and just kind of how that really pays off in the end, like mm-hmm. the very, very end. It's so great. And to the more hilarious, hilarious part of it, just to you know, bring that around, um, the train murder sequences that he conjured up uh, <laughs> to throw back at Chidi, because Chidi was giving the instruction, the scenario of like if you could only like, ch- you know, choose to murder one person with a train or three people with a train, how would you choose? And Michael literally conjured it up and admittedly he was having a little bit of fun there too, but I think it was, it was, I guess you understood the reasoning, you you know, to kind of get him to like understand what this was about for him to really like grapple with it. Also, it was just fun seeing a bunch (laughs) of blood uh, splatter on (laughs) Chidi. It was horrifying, but it was funny. (laughs) uh, The actor, that uh what is it william william yeah yeah. he actually got like that fake blood like shot in his mouth (laughs) oh (laughs) he almost choked on it it was funny (laughs) but well actually what i liked about that scene too um yeah even though he was torturing chidi it was Mm -hmm. kind of a way for him to like blow off some steve steam Uh, of like this ethical crisis that he just keeps having over and over. And I think it was at the end of mm-hmm. that episode where he and Eleanor have another convert, like deep conversation. And she kind of goes, wait, that's what you came here for? Just to talk, you know? And he's like, yeah, I mean, I kind of, <laughs> I was just curious how like your guys' mind works and all that. And, you know, it was it was a nice little moment, and then it gets ruined <laughs> by Sean. <laughs> yeah, immediately, <laughs> as most things usually do. So Sean shows up, and then again, the whole thing of the show gets blown up because Sean basically goes George W. Bush and declares mission accomplished. Um, and <laughs> all right, Michael, you win. Great, let's reveal it to them. Let's laugh at them. Um. And then they have a roast um, for like for the cast and crew, <laughs> literally of the of the demons who you know were the actors in the good place. Um, I I loved that episode. Um, I, I mean, obviously the humor uh, was a big part of I think what made it. But you're also you are wondering the entire time, Michael, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like I was always leaning uh, the way that Eleanor was, where it's like, he just had this talk with me. The guy is clearly having um, a change of heart at the very least beginning. That being said, this is everything he's ever wanted. He's being congratulated for his wonderful concept of good place, bad place, and 
He's being rewarded. Is that going to be enough? You know, with the substantial um, breakthroughs that he's just had as a person. Um, or a demon, I guess. And then they they, they uh, keep you guessing <laughs> for most of the episode. Um, and it was really... When they get to that scene, um, when they're having the roast, uh, you know, Tahani, Chidi, Jason, and Eleanor, that was fucking savage. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you right now, that was one of the best roasts I've ever seen. And uh, all of those, like, zingers were, like, I guess, like, I guess it would be the best roast of all time, because I know a lot of roasts, um they do hold themselves back some, but they were going all in (laughs) for how devastating they all were. Um, And then having everyone laugh at their expense. I, I I was laughing even though I felt (laughs) bad for them, but it was so hilarious. And and you can tell how much fun Michael was having that. So you could, and the whole time Eleanor is just looking at him. What are you doing here? Mm -hmm. Cause she's, I mean, she believed like a hundred percent, this is part of the act until that roast. And she was like, I don't know anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So that was a good, uh, that's a good um, way of like, um, you know, the show playing with us as well. Mm Because like, we're sure that no, Michael's not going to sell them out. But then you watch that roast and it's like, "Eh, I would run right now if I were you. Mm -hmm. Um, But I love when it's all revealed and everything. Like the brilliant mm. um, uh, way Michael played them. Yeah, no, it's great. Uh, it's well, what's great about the episode though is like it's kind of like it's the first one that's very plot driven. Like mm-hmm. all the other episodes, there's no you just you know they go through something and they just grow as a character and in, in each episode. But this one though, like they had to be very careful in the way they like tried to get away from everyone from the bad place and i love just kind of it really shows just like how smart michael is really like in yeah like his mind works and i love that little detail though when he whispered into janet's janet yeah (laughs) he's just like you know you see his whispering and then vicky goes to her and he's like what do he tell you and she's like something something vicky something and later on, that's literally what he says. It's like something, something, Vicky, something. It's just, it's a great way to like pin the blame on her. Blame on her. It's great. No, but he set her up. Mm. He set her up <laughs> just to get her out of the way with. And it was brilliant. Mm. He had them all fooled. Um, and so like they all take off after the, the, the long night celebration to the medium place to go and capture um, Eleanor, you know, Chidi, Tahani, and Jason, because they all think that they've gotten away. When in reality, no. He saved them. He saved them from that. And um, and what happens next is they don't know where to go. Mm-hmm. They just they, they just have one more night together. One more fun night together before they yeah. basically have to deal with um, eternal damnation. Yeah. And <laughs> I love <laughs> uh, Jason's interpretation of the bad place. <laughs> He's like, 
I think my my thing is gonna be going to a Skrillex concert, and then when I'm waiting for the beat to drop, it's never gonna drop. <laughs> that was a brilliant description. <laughs> it's so great. Actually, before going forward, we forgot to mention Derek. Yeah, that happened, right? <laughs> it was a whole episode with Janet, and then she created... Oh, yeah, that was good thing that you stopped me, because it also brings in the whole thing with Tahani and Jason. So Janet creates Derek because she's feeling... Um, she's going through heartbreak because she had feelings for Jason, and Jason in this, after all the reboots, is growing closer and closer with Tahani. They're They're developing an interest with each other. Um, and um, yeah, Janet kind of like is going through the motions of heartbreak and she creates Derek. <laughs> um, what do you think? Of Derek? <laughs> it's Derek is just her rebound uh, boyfriend son. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. uh-huh. That's kind of the best way to describe it. <laughs> no, but I mean uh again though the actor I mean not again, but the actor that plays Derek, uh he's another person that like does a lot of improv and all that. And apparently uh, I heard that uh, every episode like I guess towards the end of the fourth and third season, you know, whenever the script is feeling like off, like it's just like, it's not that funny. They'll add him in just to like make it funny. <laughs> just, you know, <laughs> that's a, that, that was just an interesting thing that I learned about him. But yeah, Derek though, it's just, it's insane. Just kind of like what he has to go through to kind of like make his scenes work and all that. Because like, a lot of his lines are just, Derek, Derek, Derek. <laughs> that's like, that's all he says. And so like, they really have to be careful with like how, how many times he should say it and all that. <laughs> now he's just a ball of uh, madness and chaos, <laughs> but it's fun. Um, yeah. What did you make of the, of the whole thing with Jason and Tahani? That was... I honestly didn't really think of it much. It was just yeah. <laughs> it was just kind of like I. It makes sense as to how they work together because again, mm-hmm. you know, Jason's the type of person who just really doesn't give a shit about anything <laughs> or like what anyone thinks of him. Like he knows exactly who he is and all that. And then, but Tahani though, she cares about what everyone thinks about her and everything. And so it's just it's nice that they're. Um that they really try to learn from each other really mm-hmm. and through this relationship. But, you know, as, once you see the whole show, you'll go, no, this is wrong. <laughs> you yeah. want Jason and Janet together. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's actually one. No, yeah. That was actually one cool thing they did in the beginning of the second season was to kind of like reassure you that Jason and Janet are going to be a thing. Cause yeah. like she gets rebooted again for like, I guess the third, try or something Mm. and like you just have this moment together with them being like hey like it's basically like the same thing that happened in the first season (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it was cool and so as we're moving forward then 
um, they go to the actual bad place because mm-hmm. what they decide is they're going to find a way to wheel themselves into the good place um, or they're going to go to the judge with their case. Uh, but the only way to get to her is through the bad place. Mm-hmm. And so we're on this fun train ride to the bad place. By the way, I should have mentioned it. Bad Janet is hilarious. Oh, my God. <laughs> I thought that Janet was great, but Bad Janet? Oh, my God. I <laughs> I, I never thought um, they could make farts funny again. Because it's just so <laughs> played and lowbrow, right, at this day and age. But I don't know. You're just wanting her to fart every single time she, <laughs> she shows up on screen. She doesn't. Although, I think most times she does. Um no, but the writing is just on a level that is like frenetic, right? It's just, mm-hmm. it happens so quickly, but it's so wonderfully placed here. So they go to the bad place, and then Michael is trying to hijack their way into the portals, into the other, I guess, realms or dimensions, whatever have you. Um, and it's it's really interesting seeing that, right? Like, it's mostly confined to dark rooms, um, more like a corporate building with you know people in professional garb there's a museum i guess Mm -hmm. of people i like to make fun of and the new exhibit is of course you know the recent um accolade that they're giving michael at this point in time anyway um and then michael here is basically trying to find Pins? Is that what he's trying to find? Yeah, Pins or a, something? <laughs> it's a thumbs down pin from the bad place to get through the portal. <laughs> right, right. And at the same time, though, there he's completely caught off guard when Sean has, you know, kind of caught on a little bit to whether the locations or whereabouts are at. And so uh, Michael realizes that he needs to get the fuck out of there and quickly because he's about to be made. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, it's it's really interesting seeing um, certain characters blend in the bad place. Some have an easier time than others. It was hilarious watching Cheaty um, try and, <laughs> you know, because you know he the guy can't lie. Mm-hmm. He's he doesn't want to, and he's also bad at it. <laughs> Until this episode, where he actually kind of, I'm impressed. Yeah. Where you're going like, wow, Chidi, you're doing a good job holding up with these people or these demons. Sorry. Mm. Even when he gets mistaken with, with for someone else by a group of demons that apparently were roommates or or something. I think it was Dax Shepard uh, <laughs> that played one of the demons um, in that scenario. All the while, we should, you know, I think you you uh, gave him a shout out earlier in the episode, but once again, to commend the, the wardrobe department, the costumes are so amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> sorry. <laughs> no, when they uh, get to the bad place, it's just, it's just hilarious, honestly, all around for just Chidi and everyone else. Because I love the fact that Eleanor and... Tahani just well Tahani gets like she's really into it the whole thing really just like <laughs> she blends her right in that's her scene I mean she loves parties yeah. you know <laughs> no but then I love it with when Chidi like he starts to finally lie and he's just like really trying to like exaggerate like 
being one of the boys, I guess you can say, <laughs> of the whole mm-hmm. situation. And uh, but uh, no, honestly, what actually, honestly, what killed me the most though in the, uh, in that episode, it was when they like, I guess, raid the middle place <laughs> to oh, try my. to find the group. <laughs> so we didn't mention like so like the last thing that we hear from Derek is that he he goes to the middle place to trick Sean and the rest of the bad people demons that they're there he goes with a bag of cocaine to the lady who lives in the middle place <laughs> and so that when they like raid the place it's just Derek and her but they're having sex and all you hear is chimes and you remember <laughs> he doesn't have a he doesn't have right yeah genitals. And so... it's just chimes down there for some reason <laughs> and you hear the woman go this is so weird but it's great <laughs> oh my god this show is so weird like that entire sentence did not make any sense I at know, all. Right? <laughs> if you're watch, if you're hearing this without watching the show, what is wrong with you? And just, I'm sorry. I think it also helps to illustrate just the unique um, zaniness that is also part of the charm for mm-hmm. for this show. It's it, it, it's um it has a humor that's all its own it's not common at all i think and that's what kind of makes it feel special because this is hilarious stuff that we're working with here we're laughing at fucking wind chimes <laughs> yeah. chimes for penis oh my god that yeah that did happen god man um i will say though um, but it also, I feel like it, we should also mention, of course, the show delivers on on laughs and twists and wonderful writing of all sorts. But I think this is um, a real big moment. And they've had several, but this is like a really big heartfelt moment that they're going for and it lands so well. Michael sacrifices himself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as they're all trying to escape the bad place, he doesn't have enough pins, and so he gives his last pin to Eleanor, pushes her through the portal, and gets captured. And that scene, it's a nice throwback to the train uh, scenario, where he goes, I finally figured out the solution. And she's mm-hmm. like, well, what are you talking about? And he's like, the train thing. It's like, I know what to do. And he sacrifices himself, and it's... It's it's a really great throwback, honestly, to a scene. Yeah. And actually, one funny part though, when so when Sean finds out that Michael's like betraying them and all, it, there's like a scene where like you see Sean coming in from a hallway, but he's like on the second floor or something. And the guy uh, Mike Shore, I think that's his name. Uh, he he talked about that when that scene came up, his sister like she was watching the episode with him and she goes, you look like a badass in that scene. <laughs> it's just, it's just a funny thing that he mentioned. <laughs> Cause it is kind of badass though. Cause she's just kind of like, you know, you, at first she's just like, you know, you just, you find him pretty funny and all that, but it was like that little moment though, where he is kind of like, Oh shoot. He's the bad guy <laughs> of the show now. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. 
but um no but again it's they really built up that scene of michael um sacrificing himself for eleanor because again they really try to build up their friendship in that moment uh in this season (laughs) yeah uh, and as the season progresses, uh, we are introduced to a major player in this universe, <laughs> the great Maya Rudolph, <laughs> um, comes in here as the judge of the universe. I don't know why I didn't see it coming with the casting, but oh my God, <laughs> what perfect casting. That the way that character is written, and again, I'm finding I'm I I find myself um, at a loss for the right vocabulary to, to you know to apply to her, because this is an omnipotent being. This is a a being that is in charge of the universe. Basically, the judge. She she wears judge robes. Um, as, uh, and it, there are so many ways you could hit, take a character like that, but of course this is a good place. This is Mike Shore. <laughs> I think you have a good idea. Whatever, whatever is planned for a being or a character like that, it's going to be wacky. And sure enough, <laughs> <laughs> she's fun. Like she's like, and she's like, um, she has like, cause it's Maya Rudolph, right? And it's her face and her likeness. Like she comes off as like this pleasant approachable person Mm -hmm. but also strict and stern and not one to be so easily convinced or swayed um one way or the other and you you and she establishes herself as this being that basically has spent all of time doing nothing Mm -hmm. into like a case like what the what are you know team cockroach is trying to bring to them isn't one that hardly ever happens. Um, I think later on in the show, you figure out why that was. Because <laughs> uh, there's a lot of other players involved, but it's a lot of incompetence going <laughs> every which direction, it seems like. But with her, she is so good mm-hmm. in this role. No, yeah. Really, really good, man. No, I'm honestly, I was honestly convinced that like she improved like ninety percent of her <laughs> lines. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> like there's no way. It's like not even just like writing great jokes, but like her delivery on everything is just so perfect. I laugh so much at the part where she's talking to Tahani, and like Tahani's trying to explain to her like the situation, and everything, and she's just like. You know what? I love your accent, so I'm just gonna let you keep talking. <laughs> As like, then she explains it, <laughs> and I love the yeah. joke that she goes, "Say aluminum, aluminium." <laughs> she just loses her mind. Like, oh my gosh, I love the way you say it. <laughs> it's just, it's so ridiculous and everything. But actually, no. Um, so when they go to like, I guess the judge's room, the first thing you see is a burrito on the table. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you have the entire cast, the entire group go. Is that? judge <laughs> she's like it's like in the love and uh, she goes we've seen weirder this could be it <laughs> you almost buy it ourselves yes. right it's like because it's okay like, could it be it, this is the kind of thing that would happen on this show mm-hmm. 
And then it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. You're like, well, no shit. <laughs> and she just pops up out of nowhere. It's like, what are you guys looking at? And they're just like, what? Yeah. No, but Maya Rudolph. Oh my gosh. She was, she's the <laughs> best thing in this show, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, I mean, with, um, it is a hard case, right? It's, it, the Team Cockroach knows it's a long shot mm-hmm. what it is that they want to attempt, right? But the judge humors them, and she gives them all tests. Um, and uh, the condition is that they all have to pass, mm-hmm. right? And what did you make of all of those tests? Um. <laughs> Jason's was the funniest. <laughs> no, wait. Yeah, actually, yeah. Jason was the funniest. Tahani's though, it was honestly hers. Like made me really sad. So like her test. Yeah, she's passing all these doors, and like it's every person she's ever met, and they're all, you know, if she goes in, she'll find out what she each person thinks about her, and like she's doing a great job until she sees her parents' door, and she goes in talks to them and she goes even in this situation where you're supposed to talk about me you talk about my sister like how am i not even a thought in your mind or something like that and she finally like she finally gets the lesson that she should have learned a long time ago which is that who gives a shit what anyone thinks of you like you just got to live your own life on this <laughs> And then Jason's, he had to play a, what is it, an NFL uh, video game, basically. But Madden, again, I think. Yeah, Madden. But he has to play against his favorite team, the Jaguars. And he's just like, oh, man. <laughs> but then later on, they realize, like, you know, you could have just said that you didn't want to play at all. That was the whole point of the test, really. <laughs> I can't remember exactly what his test was, but I just I just find it funny though that like really the only way to pass it was for him to just not play. And he just didn't even mm-hmm. think of that. And then Chidi had to decide between two hats. And it took him like an hour and a half or something. <laughs> um but I like the fact that Eleanor was the one that did actually pass her test. And it really is just like big proof that she did change throughout this yeah. entire situation, throughout all these mm-hmm. 800 reboots that she really did grow to her best self. And when the judge says like, oh, the only person that passed it. No, she was going to say like Eleanor did. And she just Eleanor interrupts her and goes, nope, I failed. Yep. We all failed. Oh, well. And I just, I love that look. My, uh, the judge gives her of like a bit of respect to her. To her, mm, yeah. She kind of be like, "I get you. All right, yeah. You all feel you'll go to the bad place." <laughs> all the while, back in the bad place, um, Sean is taunting Michael. You know, telling him about how he's going to be um, retired or incarcerated or whatever. Um, he and Bad Janet. But wait, it's not Bad Janet. It's actual Janet in disguise as Bad Janet. And they bust out. 
and they travel to um, where everyone else is at. Again, I, I was surprised. Mm -hmm. I was surprised. I didn't think Janet was at, at the point where she could commit to that kind of uh, uh, personality change, but she got me. Mm -hmm. That was convincing. No, yeah, no. I, it was, it was like a slow setup. But so basically, when Michael had to reboot the the test, I guess he mm -hmm. also had to reboot Janet. And she mentions, right. and she goes, you know, wait, how many times did you reboot me? And he's like, I don't know, 800 times. And she goes, <laughs> well, well, every time a Janet gets rebooted, they become a little bit more, like, in, uh, I don't know, smarter or something like that. Or advanced. More advanced, get an yes. <laughs> I was like, I might be the most advanced Janet ever. And I love what she does. She, she, she like, pats her head and rubs her stomach at the same time <laughs> to show, like, how advanced she is. Uh, uh -huh. But... That's how she started gaining feelings or what she thinks are feelings to Jason. And it's how she led her to be able to lie, even though she's a good Janet. Because we saw when a bad Janet tries to be good, her face melts. So literally. Who, yeah. <laughs> so who knows what would happen to a good Janet if she lies. Um. And so yeah, it was it was <clears throat> it was a great setup from the beginning and a great payoff really uh, for mm -hmm. that scene. <laughs> um, and also just uh, great for Michael as well because I mean it's a wonderful exchange you know between Sean and Michael and it's it's a great showcase for you know in what short amount of time how much Michael has grown mm -hmm. and changed. Um, from what he used to be. And so they all uh, get back together with the judge and Team Cockroach. And then Michael was like, but wait, what if I told you that the very calculus for which we judge what makes a good person and a bad person has been wrong the whole time and we've condemned an eternity of people or we've condemned millions or i don't know billions of people to eternal damnation and then i love what we cut to the judge just like wow now that that's interesting <laughs> she's all excited it's like man that was a great uh cliffhanger bro <laughs> basically like and she's like you know uh entertaining it mm. uh that was a great way of setting things up yeah <laughs> and then remind me what happens immediately after that is that what so what he proposes is this when he proposes about oh go ahead i don't think they reveal what i can't remember if they actually show what the idea is mm -hmm. i know the conversation between michael and uh the judge like they don't say what the plan is but you just right. get the idea of like okay this is a crazy idea this could have like incredible or catastrophic consequences who knows what will happen but i can't remember if they show like they give you an idea should we just say it or just like, well we're gonna talk about it anyway right now anyway okay well um so basically the idea is um to prove that chidi tahani and jason and uh eleanor have changed or that they're capable of change 
and to further prove that the system is wrong. Uh, well, it's that people need a little push in order to change to become good people, basically. And right, the way they right. come up with the idea to test this theory out is by sending them back to Earth and change time by um, making them live, basically. Uh, get them yeah, out of at their, the moment of yeah at uh, the moment of which they died you push them literally out of the way that or of what killed them mm -hmm. yeah and so that's the idea I and mean, that's that's the cliffhanger they end on actually mm -hmm. so yeah that was that was honestly crazy <laughs> just to kind of be like oh shoot we're back on earth okay let's yeah that you didn't expect that mm -hmm. like oh you'd think that at this point you'd be done with the surprises but no they consistently i think uh, are you um and what they're capable of doing and then we begin the finale of season two back on earth as if it never even happened mm -hmm. and we're um everyone's back in their lives and i think um Correct me if I'm wrong here, but we basically almost entirely focus on Eleanor, right? Um, in the beginning of the third season? No, 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 no. This is the very the last episode of season two. Because the last episode of season two, we it's mostly Eleanor. Um, because what happens is she comes back on Earth, and for like six ish months, she, um, we see her become a better person because of uh. The life, the the near life ending uh, situation that she was in, mm -hmm. but uh, and then we see that Janet and Michael are monitoring all of them, but in particular, I think the focus is on uh, on Eleanor, and that Michael um, visits Eleanor on Earth because there's that scene in the bar mm -hmm. where Eleanor and Michael are talking and. This was why I brought up Cheers, because and this is an amazing sequence. You had Ted Danson who played, you know, Sam Malone on Cheers. Mm -hmm. um, he basically is dressed as Sam Malone, that character yeah. from Cheers, um, in, a, in a similar looking bar. Um, and it was just like it was just a moment in television history. Mm -hmm. It was just weird to have like that um, him inhabit that character again after such a long, long time. Mm -hmm. Um, actually, funny thing about that, he um, he kind of didn't enjoy it. <laughs> Did he? Yeah, <clears throat> and not and not in the like a oh I'm done with this character type of thing. Not like not like that. It's just that you know the thing that sort of represents his character. So in this his character in Cheers, like he's a bit of a ladies man. You know, yeah. he's always getting the girl and all that, and uh -huh. so kind of like him going back behind the bar and you know the thing that represents it it's he find it he found it weird because like he's like how old is he 60 or something mm -hmm. and like he's with eleanor who's like half his age and so again just like what it sort of calls back to i guess him doing that it just feels kind of wrong <laughs> i can definitely see his perspective of it mm -hmm. although i feel like the way that I interpret it was this would be, um, of course, this is not literally Sam Malone, first and foremost, but we're, you're trying to basically 
come across as that. My interpretation of it was, is this was a much older, more mature, wiser Sam alone than the one that we knew in Cheers mm. to where that stuff really wasn't him anymore because people change and grow. So I, I understand, I guess, a little bit as to why uh, Ted Danson didn't feel okay with that, or he didn't feel like it was it fit the bill. Yeah. Well, I'll just say I disagree. I think it. I think it definitely fit the bill for no. what that moment required. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, and that I just saw it as like a little callback, like oh, that's funny. You know, that's yeah. it. Yeah, and it's definitely understand that. But also, this another thing though is that. Uh, the other the other reason why he kind of felt uncomfortable is because you know he is not at all like his character in Cheers. <laughs> he mm. he even said like in an interview that like he's not really much of a ladies man. Like the uh, like a woman can be like right in front of him naked and like it'll click for him like super late to be like oh you like me <laughs> like this is happening. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, but yeah, no, just something. That I remembered. Yeah, so um, we end up, um, you know, in the beginning of the episode, we the finale here with season two, wrapping things up, um, with everything going well, and then we hit a wall, or Eleanor literally hits a wall, and then she begins to slide back into her old habits, and she's lost, and that moment where um. Michael comes in at the bar uh, was just him giving another push mm-hmm. um, to get her to think a little bit differently. And then when she happens upon a lecture given by Chidi at a university in Australia. And uh, I think he mentions uh, one of the reoccurring books that is name dropped all throughout the show which is what we owe to each other mm-hmm. i think that's i think that's even what um michael said to her is what do we owe each other mm-hmm. um and then she looks at the book and then she looks at that that lecture and that was his way of like getting eleanor back with chidi because that's the thing that always worked is it wasn't just that they were able uh to get better by themselves they needed each other to become better people together to Mm -hmm. grow together um and then that sets up uh season three yeah and this Mm -hmm. is where we're gonna stop um but i think we reached the midpoint of the series and uh it's just been a phenomenal two seasons yeah it really has, you know. Uh, you were. Can, I want to clarify one thing before we leave. So you were watching this in real time all four years. I can't remember. I feel like I didn't keep up with a bit of third and fourth season. Uh-huh. Just kind of like, um kind of binged watched i think i might have binged like all of season three but i had to wait for season four for sure and then mm. and then there was like a bit of like a hi- hi- hiatus um, mm-hmm. in season four 
Um, but yeah, but basically though, I did watch it from the very beginning and did try to keep up with it. I wasn't really late to the whole thing, and right. like I saw, I saw the last episode like when it aired. So okay, yeah. It's just overall though, um, when we look at you know the first two seasons, highly entertaining, but again. Like a lot of the things that you and I love, it's grounded in these characters that are flawed, mm-hmm. multidimensional, and um, if if they don't work, the show doesn't work, and we don't care about anything at all. Mm-hmm. But at least for like, as we're ending season two, what definitely struck me was, you know, the full realization of what this show is about, and like, oh my God, this is literally a show about goodness and the potential goodness that people have that mm-hmm. all of us have and showing that to the world and it's hilarious to me maybe that's the wrong word maybe it's um also kind of momentous that the show that is about spreading the idea that anybody has the capacity to be good that we all should strive to be decent and kind comes in the era of Donald Trump. <laughs> Maybe it was fate, Maybe, <laughs> but we definitely, I, I really wondered, I, I caught myself wondering many times what um, kind of an impact the show would have had on me had I watched it in real time. Because let me just tell you, um, with the first two seasons are concerned, this just made me so inspired and hopeful about the future of our planet, the future of our civilization, and that there is still goodness in people, and that we will have opportunities to be good and to be kind and do the right thing. Um, especially in 2020, where like, It has been a desolate year. A desolate year full of absolute tragedy, horror, and hopelessness. If there was ever a time to watch this show, if you're out there listening to this podcast, it is entertaining, it is hilarious, it is well written. But I also am going to make the case that this show is good for the soul. It's good for you. It's, it just gets you on the on the on a kind of mindset that you wouldn't be if you just stick your head out the window and you see the kind of conditions that the world is in right now. If you need something to uplift you and to motivate you and to give you some semblance of hope, this is it. Because the whole philosophy of this show is. No matter how crappy of a person you think you are, you have it within you to be better. You have it within you to push everyone forward for community, for society, just to be decent and to be kind. And it's important, I feel, for that kind of programming to be out there, especially at a time now for where we're living in. So cannot recommend this enough i also hear though as uh, david tells me 
that it, if you do love the show, uh, it would be pertinent for you to listen to uh, the podcast <laughs> called The Good Podcast. Uh, can you briefly uh, describe what that is, uh, uh, David? It's called The Good Place, The Podcast. <clears throat> and The Good Place, The Podcast. I know, it's a weird title, but <laughs> uh, it's hosted by Mike Shore, who plays Sean. And he, just every episode, um, so the first, they actually kind of go by episode by episode. Um, and every single one, he brings in some one of the actors or actresses, but also some of the costume designers, the creator himself, Mike Shore, and all that. Just a whole bunch of guests. Uh, I think like one of the recent ones that I've uh, listened to had uh, an animal expert i guess because uh <laughs> there's an episode in season three where there's well i'm sorry i'm i can't remember but i'm sure in season one and two there's some episodes with um animals in them but yeah in season three there's one episode where there's like a shit ton of animals and they had the person who was um basically taking control of all of them and it was really interesting just kind of like what they had to go through and everything but you know every single episode though it like someone brings up just how amazing this show is how amazing it was making it and that it's a it's a good show <laughs> there's like it's it's just all about them praising it and it doesn't come across like you know they're really trying to come up with stuff to like say but no everyone there they generally love love making this show and it's how some in the podcast is how i got some of those fun facts that i've been talking about mm -hmm. <laughs> throughout this episode but yeah it's i highly highly recommend it and at one point like i said the show took a bit of a hiatus and right now i'm on the parts of like where they had to fill up the gap a day they like mm. a brooklyn 99 special episode they had mm. the writers for that and one of the actresses mm uh and they they're also just bringing in people who uh who were fans of the show talking about praising it basically yeah. <laughs> so yeah it also is interesting i guess for us in terms of like our uh, programming right for our podcasts and it, it's interesting how everything has kind of fallen into place for the last couple of months uh as we're closing out 2020 because there seems to be a through line that has formed um, and that is, uh, so this is, you know, talking about this shows the afterlife basically and what happens. We basically just had a ghost themed month <laughs> of people who've died, um, and ghosts that haunt you and everything. Um, there's just something, I guess, poetic about how we're closing out this year. And hopefully we're, uh, this will help in, you know, closing it up in a more uplifting manner we're talking about guillermo del toro's movies which are also can be considered in that kind of variety depending on how you view them and um a lot of things that you know in common soul will be the last movie that we close out the year with soul the disney pixar film that is going to be on disney plus a uh, premiere on disney plus is literally about the great beyond as they call it or the great before <laughs> whatever concepts that they have there so I just find it interesting, the timing of all of this, because it is, unfortunately, a tragic year. There's been a lot of death. There really has been, and a lot of people, uh, I'm sure those uh, 
They've just been thinking about it more than they care to. I have thought more about death, the concept of death, more so this year than I ever have in my whole life. I shouldn't be thinking about I'm 25 years old. <laughs> I, I, I should not have to be thinking about those things mm-hmm. right now. But um, because of the state of the world, you just can't help it. I mean, it's everywhere you go. You're reminded of it literally every single day. And I like to think that, you know, things like The Good Place have come along, at least for me, at a time where I really needed to have uh, some kind of... I don't want to say levity because really this is a deep show. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot of layers to it. Um, But it has brought, I think, a sense of peace a little bit uh, to where we are. And I'm hoping that people uh, listen to our conversation. will take up, take us up on a recommendation and watch Mm it. Um, Cause it's the good place is a good show. (laughs) (laughs) Anything else to say, David, uh, before we go? Uh, one, uh, one little fun fact. Um, sure. Uh, the parts where Michael was rebooting over and over the test. Um, so every time he rebooted, he would change, um, I guess, like the restaurant of the good place. You know, it was first a yogurt place and then he changed it yeah. to like a pizza place to, uh, what was it? Some kind of soup place or something. I don't know. Clam what. chowder. Clam chowder. Yes. <laughs> honestly, the thought of them scooping it up—that's honestly disgusting for me. <laughs> but um, one funny thing. Uh, so one of the writers would just like keep texting Mike Shore all these food puns to name each of the <laughs> restaurants. I wish I could remember all of them, but like you just kind of have to go back to the episode and like just look at the names because like. You know they they actually put some great great detail into this show. Oh my goodness! Like I don't know if I can bring it up here. Was it? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't this season. So, uh, it was in the second season where they go to the middle place again, and like they realize that they've been there, that they've been there like a bunch of times in the middle place, just like keep having that same conversation of like we've been here before. What what have we done? What have we come up with? And you know, they see a list of things that they came up with. And one of the papers was like chase after panda, teleporting panda or something. I don't know. It was some weird thing. And Eleanor went, Oh, was that Jason's idea? And she's like, Yeah, <laughs> okay, <laughs> that makes sense. You know, it was a weird thing. But in the episode where I think Ted Danson was like having a no, no, no. I think it was in the, like when they were all the demons were like celebrating the shutdown of like uh-huh. Michael's uh, uh, good place neighborhood. You see a teleporting like some panda like in the background, very, very quick, like blinking. You'll miss it moment, but mm-hmm. it's there. Like they wow make some great, great details into this. <laughs> yeah, it's that's it's a great uh, asset of the show. There is just so much detail littered into it. Mm-hmm. A lot of great Easter eggs. A lot of it you think is throwaway. Some of it might actually be potential setup uh, for later on. Now, it's a very well-produced show. Mm-hmm. Honestly, maybe one of the best I've seen. With just the level, the attention to detail is impeccable. Uh, and the care for it as well. It, it's one of those things... Uh, it's one of these shows where you know that everyone behind the scenes 
really fucking loves the job that they're doing mm-hmm. and they and they really care for it and craft this world with such love. I think it comes across. Yeah. As a matter of fact. Very so. Well, anyway, of course, there are more thoughts about the show, about what it's meant to us, uh, and also the wonderful things that happened that are quite profound. But that will happen in our second installment when we cover seasons three and four of The Good Place. Um, I'm hoping to have Peter on for that discussion. Um, oh, we should, you know, Kyle uh, did watch the first two seasons of The Good Place, and he also was a fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't watch the last two for reasons I don't know. Um, and Alexis Moreno um, is currently uh, on in exile, uh, I guess, <laughs> uh, for the time being. Uh, we've had some internal disagreements and fights, and so she's, uh, you know, choosing to take the month off, it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can catch her in the Fantasy Fair, which is having a Muppet Month this November. Movies like the Muppets movie, uh, Treasure Island, Most Wanted, uh, all of that and more. As well as here, uh, Peter and I will cover Guillermo del Toro. So... Stay with us. We have a wonderful month to come. We have a wonderful year left to ring it out. Um, provided, of course, um, the election doesn't go in a disaster. Because if it <laughs> does, there, there may be a delay in these programs. Because we will be depressed or because the government will have shut us down. We would have been arrested and executed for being, uh, I guess, enemies of the state. So... We're going to have a fun November, aren't we? Mm. Uh, catch our episodes every single Sunday, sometimes on Thursday. It's Fantasy Fair on Friday and so on and so forth. Thank you, David, for being here. We'll catch you all next time under our red spotlight. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.